The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Welcome to Posh Across the Pond, a Peterborough United podcast presented by the Yellow Block. I'm your host, Pete Urich, and I'm joined by, I'm assuming Posh fan, although I never really actually ever asked the question, um, <laughs> but Owen Howard is here uh, and he's from Peterborough, but lives in the United States at least part of the time. And uh, as I told him before we started recording, I was going to wait uh, a minute to ask some of the questions about, you know, how come you're here? What have you been doing and everything like that? I know about a year or so ago when I originally reached out to you, you were doing a few things. You were playing for Delta State and you were also playing for Corpus Christi, which is a team in the USL. Um, so what are you doing now? Uh, and why are you here in the United States? The whole posh across the pond thing really, uh, applies to you. Yeah, no, thanks for having me. I know we, uh, spoke a while ago, but, uh, yeah, things just got hectic and, uh, yeah, here we are today. But, um, yeah, so I'm currently in uh, Des Moines, Iowa, um, at Grandview University. Um, so I graduated from Delta State in, what was it? December, 2020. Um, so I was over there. I've been over there for three years. Um, got a soccer scholarship. So uh, long story behind that, but yeah, the the fact was I obviously went out there on a soccer scholarship. Um, my first school as a freshman was actually based in Chicago. Um, but after my freshman year, I transferred to Delta State, and that's where I was until I graduated. It was all based on soccer reasons and scholarship and, and what have you. Um, and then once I graduated from Delta State. Uh, I went back home during COVID because it was at COVID time. Um, I was working, still playing, obviously, but working. And then um, Martin and Uncle actually live here in Des Moines. So uh, they kind of persuaded me to come back out. Um, Originally, I didn't want to come back to school to do my master's, I must admit. But um, I had one year left of uh, eligibility here. And I'm sure you understand about college eligibility and how many years you get and so forth. Um, So... 
I'll reach out to this one one coach who I roughly knew um, and see if he offered me a good scholarship, and he did. So uh, I thought, why not? I'll come back and play another year and do my master's. So here I am. <laughs> yep. And because of the fact that we're kind of like putting our dipping our toes into both worlds, um, and I know from uh, from our listenership, there's going to be some people who are from the U.S., some people from the uh, U.K. So we'll tr- I'll try and like uh, make sure that everybody understands what we're talking about. So basically, you played in at the university level for the for three years at Delta State, and then uh, did this final year. Um, when you're in college in the U.S., you have a certain number of basically you have five years to use four, I think is still the rule. And so basically if you play four years within that five year span and COVID kind of uh, mixed, missed with that a little bit because of the fact that it um, allowed for a lot of kids who were playing during that COVID season to get another year in. So it almost ended up being where you could get in five years within a six year period. So that's basically kind of what happened to you. Correct. Yeah, correct. It was slightly different for me just because um, I went past that five-year period. Uh, I still have one year left, but I went over that five-year period. So I couldn't join another D1 or D2 school. It had to be an NAIA school. And they yeah. they mean they allow you to play the four years within any any unlimited amount of years kind of thing. So um, luckily for me, the, the school that was near to where I'm living now was an NAIA. So it allowed me to come back and use that year. And so you didn't answer the question uh, directly, but uh, are you a Posh fan? Yeah, I'm a Posh fan. Yeah, started supporting them since I was, what, five, six, played for the academy. And uh, yeah, I've had a season ticket when I was younger. And yeah, I struggled since I moved out to America, college reasons. I struggled to watch live games, but, you know, you see it social media and the odd game I'll pay for. And when I'm back home, I'll try and catch a couple of games with my family and friends. So, yeah. Gotcha. Is it a family thing? Uh, your entire family a uh, a posh family, or is there any kind of a division there where you've got a few Cambridge family uh, family members or something? No, definitely not Cambridge. My granddad's a posh fan. Uh, dad is, so yeah, he kind of got me into posh when I was five six, and um, yeah, I got my first season ticket, and then went with my grandparents. Obviously, when I was playing for as an academy. Even when I got released, I carried on going with my friends. So, yeah, it's always been a, uh, a family thing, yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Um, and so, you know, the things that I have a tendency to ask, obviously, usually we're talking to Americans who have made a big trip over there. But do you remember your first uh, first match uh, at the Posh? Or were you too young to have a really good memory of it? No, I don't remember my first home game. I always get asked this, and I always try and think, and I uh... – I never can, but I remember going to one of my first away games with my dad and it was against uh, MK Dons. I couldn't tell you what year it was, but it was when they had the old, uh, like a racetrack stadium kind of thing. Um, it was basically, I remember it was right next to this ice hockey stadium. The away stand was like a, it was literally like a bleacher out here at college, you know, just a metal bleacher and we were right at the top and I remember we were losing. It's freezing cold, but uh, yeah, I remember that. That's just envision of being there first away game with my dad but yeah home game I can't actually remember my first home game I was too young I think <laughs> yeah you you got drugged there before you even knew what was going on I did yeah, the same exactly, thing because yeah. obviously you know being from the states I my first uh posh game was much later on but I took my son to his first uh Red Bulls game we used to live in New Jersey so we supported the Red Bulls and um 
you know, he was probably two or three. And as okay. as we're watching the what as I'm watching the the match, it was when they were still playing at Giant Stadium. He's looking up in the air at the planes, I thought. And so <laughs> I, I didn't even think he was paying any attention, but then I realized he he said to me, he's like, Dad, they almost got they almost scored. And I realized he was watching the game on the jumbotron rather than. Uh, I don't know if he realized the game was going on in front of him, but you know, it was it was good to see him uh, actually paying attention as opposed to uh, oh, I just wasted a whole bunch of money on a on him uh, him going to a game and he has no idea what's going on. But it, yeah. it was definitely good. Is he still um, a Red Bulls fan now? Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously we moved to Virginia, so uh, we don't get to see as many games obviously but um we still pay attention um you know mls obviously being the major league in in the u.s and we'll get into your whole thing with the usl a little bit if you're okay with that um but yeah one of my former players plays for vancouver (laughs) vancouver uh at the moment the white caps so um it's another reason to you know pay attention and everything like that so um so obviously you don't remember your first uh, posh game, but uh, do you have a favorite uh, posh moment as a fan? It's a tough one. There's been a lot. Uh... Your lifetime has been a really good time to be a posh fan for the most part. I mean, there's a little lull in the middle, but I do remember a oh, who we're playing. I think we're playing Accrington Stanley at home, and we beat them seven nil or seven one. Um, that was just goals below, but like I said, I was a young kid. Another one we were playing um, Ipswich, and I was with I was with my dad, and my dad's cousin uh, is an Ipswich fan. He went with his wife. He took his wife for the first time to watch uh, an Ipswich game. He was in the away end with her, and it was when they had the terrace for the away end, and we were in the family stand, so we could see them standing watching the game. And uh, I think they went one 0 up, and you know he was giving the, the hand gestures to my dad and whatever. And then uh, we turned it around. I think we ended up winning, I want to say 7-1. And oh, it was just unbelievable because obviously we're quite close with him and you could just see his face drop after each <laughs> goal that went in. And then uh, I think we went out for a, a family meal that night with uh, with my uh, sister, mum and his kids and whatever. And uh, yeah, because obviously my dad was just giving him stick all night. But um, yeah, that game does live in the memory for a family reason, yeah. That's awesome. Um, do you have a favorite player? Uh, obviously, I, I know that from looking at your bio, at least you were playing in a, as an outside back mainly when you were in uh, Delta State and uh, Corpus Christi. But do you have anybody in particular from the posh that is your favorite player? Yeah, I grew up in like the era of uh, like Charlie Lee and Gabby Zaccani. So Charlie Lee was probably hits home, uh, just a fan favorite. You know, he did it so versatile, plays wherever and um, yeah, I really did like Charlie Lee, Gabby Zaquani, obviously. Um, and then George Boyd. I mean, who can't like George Boyd? So, so then <laughs> yeah. three, but yeah, Charlie Lee sticks in the mind, yeah. Yeah, Charlie Lee is my favorite player of all time as well. It just, yeah. you know, how could you not like the guy? And I think he just retired like last year or something like I mean, that. I think he ended up playing up top for uh, Stevenage for a year, and that was weird seeing, seeing him do that. But yeah, back in his day, he was brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Yeah. And like you said, absolutely versatile player. And, you know, I think at, at one point, like he was playing left back, but he started out as a center back. We put him into the defensive mid position, like the guy yeah. can play anywhere. So it was, it was really cool. Um, I what year did you start sporting Peterborough? Uh, about 2003. 
Okay. Uh, so basically, uh, I got into it kind of a, a completely backwards way, the FIFA uh, soccer game on, on the Xbox. <laughs> and so um, I ended up, uh, you know, I used to use uh, Liverpool in order to play the game. And then I got bored with winning all the time because at the time, you know, when I would play it in college and stuff, they had Michael Owen and everything. It was just too easy. So I decided to take a lower level team and bring them up. And since, since my name's Peter, <laughs> I, I chose Peterborough. They were in League Two at the time. And then after doing that for a little bit, I started paying attention. And that was when Guy Branston was uh, with the team on loan and stuff. And yeah, and it just, I, I got really interested in it. And then my first trip was, uh, let's see, I think it was 2007. That sounds right. And I went and saw us play uh, against MK Dons at home and won. Uh, and it, it was great, you know, uh, just going to the, you know, I was in the family stand at that point and just, you yeah. know, watching watching this team that I've been supporting for about three, four years at that point. And, you know, it was, it was a real thing at that point. So I, I really, you know, have been kind of, uh, not obsessed. I don't want to put it that <laughs> at that level. <laughs> you know, most of most of my uh, supporting has been through the Dara, um, you know, uh, time period. So yeah, two thousand three, but it would have been the same sort of time I started. Cause I was five then, so uh, yeah, not I was not, it in there. <laughs> I was not five. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, that's all right. Uh, it's it's quite all right. I. You know, uh, I work with uh, young people. I, I teach at a school and, you know, I've coached at the college level and everything like that. It's I, I'm used to being around uh, young people all the time. So no <laughs> <one knows. Okay. laughs> um, so anyway, uh, can you kind of like run us through a little bit of the story of like, all right, how does a kid from uh, from Peterborough end up in the U.S. playing in college and everything like that? I know that we kind of jumped back and forth a little bit, but, you know, um, can you fill me in on that story a little bit? Yeah, so we uh, started off obviously when I was younger, I was at Posh, but I was—I mean, I was a kid. I was like seven years old. I got released when I was about was I eleven. Yeah, because it was just before going into secondary school. So I was about eleven. Got released. Typical reason of uh, being too small. But um, yeah, I got released and then played for a local team called Yaxley. We were successful at the time. Obviously, you're only uh, young. It's obviously equivalent to club soccer out here. But um, yeah, I was playing good level back home when I was a, a youngster. But then obviously you get to the point where you're playing under 18s football, you're not getting, you know, seen by any any pro clubs or anything like that. And I knew that an option was to come out to America to play college soccer. Um, Cause I could, it's a bit different. Like I always tell people here, when you get an education back home in college, if you're playing any athletics, football, whatever it is back home in England, it's like recreational. It's not really, taken seriously you know you don't get scholarships that you do out here it's not full-time so it's either do I go university back home and kind of knock the football on the head or do I come out here which a lot of European kids do because it's the second best opportunity to uh, play professionally so there's a company called Sports Recruit in USA um, and the basic recruitment agency um, so you go and have a trial with them um, I was selected I think there was about six or seven of us out of about 50 that got selected um, and then obviously based on that trial selection, you play in a couple of trial, not trial games, but showcase games and they'll video you. Um, they'll basically create a highlight film and, and send it out to coaches, but you're coming out here as a freshman, you're unknown. So getting offers in your first year is quite hard unless you've come directly from a professional club. 
um, and obviously I hadn't. So um, the best offer I got was a NAIA school in just outside Chicago called Calumet. Uh, it's a good scholarship offer, but this, I, I knew the school would only be, for me, it would only be good enough for one year just because the facilities weren't great and stuff. But like I said, it was a good opportunity to, to come out here. So, yeah, I flew out. That was in 2017, I think. So I was freshman year. Had an okay first year, but um, it took a bit of adjusting. The Just the season so short, so short. You play so many games in a short amount of time, obviously living away from home. Simple things like the possession and the, the style of play, but in America is so different to back home. It just, everything took a little bit of a transition. Even the referees, I'm not going to sit here and slag off Amer American referees, but there's a big, big difference back home. You know, I, th I mean, I think I ended up getting suspended after eight. So I started like the first eight games. and the first eight games, I got five yellow cards and suspended. and. I mean, my dad might tell you something different, but I can tell you four or five of those yellow cards were just like in America, in England. They'd never be a yellow card. Yep. Anyway, so I got I got suspended, and the season kind of petered out a bit. And I was like, oh, I don't know what to do because I need a transfer. Um, and yeah, my recruitment agency basically helped me get a good transfer to D two school. Um, like I said, the dream was to go to a D one, but scholarships just weren't coming in. Um, yeah, I went to D2 school and they played in the Gulf Southern Conference and the conference is, you know, really good. West Alabama, um, some big schools in there. Um, and I knew it was one of the toughest D2 schools in the country. So I went there, but it was in the middle of nowhere. It was in uh, Cleveland, Mississippi. There's absolutely nothing there. But our facilities were brilliant. University itself was state-of-the-art. And um, yeah, the scholarship was good and the coach was Scottish. Near enough, every, everyone on the team was European. I, I room with a Spanish guy and, yeah, I loved it there. Absolutely loved it. Um, and, yeah, I had a great three years and, yeah, that kind of took me into the summer football, which I played. Um, but, yeah, the whole experience was brilliant. I could go on and on about it, to be fair. So Awesome. So, obviously, the, the referees aside, uh, what's the big difference between uh, the playing style of, you know, American versus uh, the English game? Playing style, obviously, massively is fitness versus physicality. So, you know, back home in England, even when I graduated, I carried on playing non-league back home for Wisbeach Town. And uh, it's an OK level. You get a bit of money, but um, like I say, it's just non-league. And the, phys but the physicality is, you know, a step above what it is in America, but it's all pretty one-dimensional, long balls. Um, go from A to B as quick as you can. But in, in America... Suits me more because it's possession style. It's full on fitness. I mean, as a as a uh, fullback, um, if I didn't get up and down the pitch a certain amount of times, you know, I'd be off after sixty minutes. Um, they're, they're huge on fitness. Uh, they're the toughest preseasons I've ever had over here. Um, yeah, I'd say fitness is the biggest biggest difference. And uh, yeah, style of play. Some say it's slower. It might be, but it's possession style and. Um, yeah, it's just totally different. So, gotcha. Okay. And the USL thing at Corpus Christi, you know, how did that whole entire thing work out? Obviously, you know, that explanation of people dipping their feet into both ponds, but uh, or both sides of the pond, but MLS is the top le league in the US, which is, you know, a closed system. Nobody can get promoted or relegated into or out of uh, MLS. But 
underneath that, the second, third, and fourth tier are all under the cap of the USL, which is uh, the leagues are actually called the Championship League One and League Two. Yeah. And um, so there is kind of a promotion relegation thing, but at the same time, it's a little bit a little bit more um, squirrely than uh, than I think that the purists would really like it to be because uh, there's there are certain teams who have I know like right in our area Richmond Kickers they had to move down to League Two for a year I think just for financial reasons it wasn't like they got relegated they just didn't have the finances in order to stay in the top division and everything yeah. like that so anyway um, how did the whole Corpus Christi thing come about for you? Um, yeah, like you said, you explained it pretty well. Um, so if when you're in college, obviously the season's really short. You basically have uh, August to December is the college season, and then uh, January to May, obviously they're the two semesters. January to May is the off season, but in the summer months of uh, May to end of July, August, they have a USL two. So as a college athlete, you're allowed to play semi-professionally. So you can't play USL one or USL championship, but you can play USL two or um, NPSL, which is the equivalent. So when I was in uh, Delta State my first year, um, I played for the Michigan Stars in the NPSL. Um, so we played, you know, teams like Detroit, Detroit City. And I mean, that was unbelievable. They got, I remember they got 6,990 fans for our game, uh, Michigan versus Detroit. And you're thinking that's just semi-professional. I mean, unbelievable. So that 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 whole summer was brilliant. Um Traveling all across, you know, America or the, or the Midwest, um, yeah, that's brilliant. But anyway, I did that for that year, and then the year after that, I wanted to go USL too. Um, again, it was just a matter of America. You reach out, you know, um, build up a bit of history of playing NPSL, and they love stats out here and stuff like that. Film, yeah, I spoke to a few coaches, um, and yeah, end up signing for uh, Corpus Christi. Um, the only trouble was it took me, because the year before that I signed for another team in Texas called BV Cavalry. They're also USO2. Um, and literally the week before I was going to go out there, COVID hit. So the season got cancelled. Um, so Corpus Christi came. The only trouble was it came at a time when we literally just got out of lockdown. So I was back in England, but even back home, there was no games going on. So it was only training. So I, where kids over in America, they, they were playing a bit earlier and they were a bit fresher. So I still went out there and got signed. But it was a bit of a season where, yeah, I enjoyed the experience, but football-wise didn't work out just because I hadn't been playing for the last, you know, 12 months at mm. a competitive level. So that was a bit of annoying because if it came the year before, it would have been perfect. But, yeah, I played. It was a great experience. But um, I'd say playing for Michigan Stars was, uh, yeah, that stands out. And, um, yeah, hopefully this summer I get to play MPSL USL2 again. So, yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Awesome. Um just out of your travels, do you have like a, a favorite city that you visited? Obviously, you're living in Des Moines right now, and you were in Cleveland, which I'm sure is probably not the best uh, place in America, but I'm sure that it's it's got its positives. Um, but do you have a favorite city that you've uh, traveled to through through your uh, time here in the U.S.? Yeah, so obviously playing in college, you, the amount of traveling you do is unbelievable. You go from city to city, but um, I'd say Chicago stands out to me. I, I love it. I, uh, whether it's a weekend or whatever. Yeah, Chicago to me is, is brilliant. Uh, it's expensive, but like I say, I, I love it out there. And all the sports teams that are there as well. So, yeah, Chicago. 
Yeah. Chicago's amazing, except for in like January or yeah. whatever. Sorry. You you go there at the wrong time of the year. It's just because uh, obviously I'm a soccer coach. Uh, I I've coached at the D3 level in uh, college and things like that. But yeah. Um, you know, the every year they have the National Soccer Coaches Convention, and a few years back it was in Chicago, like in oh, January, okay. and it, it's just absolutely freezing. <laughs> oh, it's so cold. I mean, I'm more of a so. Luckily, my family they have a um, they like snowbirds, so they have a house in Florida. That's where they are at the minute. But um, once I graduated, I had the opportunity to work in Sarasota for a few months. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, that was beautiful. Sun every day. Um, they're not a massive sports team in Sarasota, but you know you got the the um, Tampa Bay Rowdies around there and the baseball around there. But um, yeah, if I could live in Florida tomorrow, I would. Yeah, so, <laughs> just love the heat. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, so obviously we went through, uh, the college stuff and the, uh, USL things and stuff like that. Um, have you been watching posh recently uh, or are you not able to get it because you don't have posh plus at the moment? Well, I just came home from uh, Christmas break back home in England. So I watched, um, I went to watch the Barnsley game with a couple of friends, uh, on that Friday night. Um, and then I watched, me and my dad went to watch, uh, me, dad, and one of his mates went to watch the Leeds game in the FA Cup. Mm-hmm. Um, and then obviously Derby was on TV as well. So, Gotcha. Yeah. And so what do you think of the team recently? Uh, you know, how are you feeling about our chances for possible promotion, et cetera, et cetera? Yeah, I mean, when I first saw them against Barnsley, because obviously out here I didn't really pay for any games. I know you got the eye follow on that, but it was just what I saw on social media. But um Obviously, I left in August and I saw during pre-season, we looked a bit, I don't know. Uh, my friends were saying, oh, I'm not sure we'll get promoted this year. It'll probably be a year where we just end up getting mid-table. And then when I saw them at Barnsley, they didn't look great, but I thought, oh, there's something here. And then the Leeds game turned up and yeah, they just, I don't know, you could tell the quality between us. And I thought, yeah, we do have some good players, but I'm not sure we're, how good we are. And then watching us against Derby, um, yeah, that just, blew me away I'm surprised just surprised how good we are I think going back to the like the George Boyd days this is probably one of the most exciting teams we've had it's young hungry um just a shame we lost Kyoso um I thought he was he was brilliant at right back yeah um, no I think we've got a really good chance going up and I'm really surprised actually yeah, he, he was he was a great uh, outside back to have. And he was, even though he's only 24, he was like the leader of the team. Yeah, I thought um, it was a weird decision to make him captain, I must admit. But um, yeah, you, you could tell he was a leader. And yeah, he defended well, got forward. And um, yeah, I think we're, even though Katongo's there at the minute, I think we might miss him a little bit. But um, yeah, we'll have to see how it goes. Yeah, absolutely. Um and then, obviously, we're in the, I don't want to say middle, we're to, we're almost at the very end of uh, transfer window. Uh, it doesn't look like anybody's moving, but, uh, you know, any thoughts there? Yeah, I mean, I was worried that we'd lose Ronnie Edwards, I must admit, because you don't want to lose Ronnie Edwards and Kyoso in the same window. Um, but I listened to DMAT's podcast the other day, and uh, I think he was saying, if anyone's going to take Ronnie, they're good, he's going to come back on loan anyway, so I'm not really worried that we'll lose him. Um, but I think financial-wise, it would be great if we did sell him and then um, got a fee for him and then got him back for the uh, rest of the, the window, uh, season. Sorry. Um, yeah, I thought we'd lose, we could maybe lose Poku or Mason Clark if a bid came in for them. But no, I mean, fingers crossed we'll keep him. The only thing I think we need is a striker. But um, 
I've seen a few people say that on Twitter and uh, yeah. Yeah. I think I, I, I'm, I'm one of the people who says that we don't need a striker. I'm, I'm going in the opposite direction. We, I mean, we could easily play Mason Clark up there. So yeah. I just don't know if there's enough goals in Ricky J. Jones to get promoted. But I, I you know, again, you're a, you're a young player, so you know you're what 23, 25, now? yeah, 25. All right, so you know, uh, even by st- by your standard, you know, you're you would be an old man on the uh, on the present posh team to a certain yeah. extent. And I know that Ricky J. Jones has a tendency to frustrate some people because it seems like he's been around forever, and. But the thing is, is he's never gotten a long string of goal or string of uh, games as a striker. So, you know, the fact of the matter is, is that he's never gotten that chance to actually prove himself 100%. And I think that that's what this season was always supposed to be about is the young players, regardless of whether they are not hitting the mark, they're going to keep on playing them. Like, you know, Joel Randall is the one who has, you know, started to come good, I think, this season and everything. And I know that people get frustrated by Ricky because he misses chances, but it's only in that game situation where he gets the chance to actually put the ball on net. And if we drop him every time that he misses, he's never going to learn how to, how to, you know, calm himself, put himself in the right position and then put the ball in. And so I... I'm a huge fan of what we're doing. I'm not saying it's going to work. And you, you just mentioned like the whole, this feels more like the Craig McHale Smith and everything like that. Uh, you wouldn't remember cause you were just a kid, but everybody was complaining, you know, McLean and Craig McHale Smith can't play together. They're too similar. No, I remember but, that. Yeah. But we, we saw what happened. So, you know, Darren Ferguson's been around long enough. He, he can figure this out. And if he drops Ricky J Jones, I don't have a problem with it, but us as fans just saying we need a new striker in just because, well, that doesn't, that just doesn't make sense to me when the guy who sees him every day and is knows the project that we're doing, that's where, you know, I'm like, I don't know that we need a striker in because people want to want a striker who is reliable or whatever, you know, is a proven striker. Well, those cost a lot of money that we don't have. And yeah. we already have a goal, a two-time golden boot winner sitting on the bench who we're choosing not to play. But. Yeah, I think I think that's the big issue. I think if we manage to get rid of John's car carriage for a fee, we might, you know, we'll have some available funds. But yeah, we don't we clearly don't have the money right now to buy a striker. And do we need one? Probably not. But um I still I mean, I remember Mikhail Smith needed 10, 10 one-on-ones to score one goal when he was first coming through. Do I see that ability in Ricky J. Jones if I'm honest? No, but he's got raw pace. If he's got nothing else, he's got raw pace and uh yeah, it scares defenders. I mean, you saw it against Derby. It scares defenders. Um, I've seen Ferguson set before. I think Mason Clark playing centrally could be an option come the end of the season. Um, but again, who have you got on the left? You got you could play Ajiboy and um, what's his name? Malik Somerville, whatever his name is. Uh, Mother's, uh, Mothersville. Mothersville. Yeah, Mothersville, like yeah. yeah. He could be an option. But um, yeah, I think there's goals in the team. I just... Yeah, I'd keep playing Ricky J. Jones. Don't get me wrong. I just don't know how many goals he scored. But, um, yeah. Well, we're leading the league in goals at the moment. Yeah, I know. You can't <laughs> complain at the minute. <laughs> but that, that's, the, that's my whole point. It's like we're complaining about not having enough goals, but we lead the league in goals. Yeah, 100%. So, I agree, yeah. So, yeah. I but, think there's enough goals in the team, that's for sure. Yeah, no doubt about it. Picture the scene. All of your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. 
there's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Your entire life has been the DMAC uh, era for the most part. Uh, thoughts on the owner uh, that you're willing to put out into public? Oh, I don't have a bad word to say about Darren Cantley, if I'm honest. Uh, I know people differ and you see it on social media and some of my friends, they, you know, they, they say bad words about him or whatever. But um, no, since I saw it just before he came in, uh, how posh were and like Barry Fry in charge and no disrespect to Barry Fry, but the club was an absolute mess. Um, and then obviously he took over and completely changed it. I mean, going that Friday night against Barnsley when I was home for Christmas, I mean, it was a night game, everything was at night, but the stadium looks brilliant. I know the pitch probably needs a bit of a, an upgrade itself, but the actual stadium looked brilliant. And I remember back in the day, the stadium was just a mess. Um, yeah, we're in League One again and people say that's where we were 10 years ago or whatever, but um, I mean, we're always going to be a yo-yo club anyway, Championship and League One. So I don't think fans moaning about where we are at the minute. I mean, you see clubs like Leighton Orient who we always used to compete with. Now they're in, uh, well, they're back up in the Football League, but they're in National League not long ago. And you see how, how quickly teams fall. Uh, I think I don't think he earns a lot of money, Dan McCantony. You know, you, you can look at the financials. I don't think we earn huge amounts of profits, even though the players were sold. I think he reinvested it one way or another. Um, yeah, I don't have a bad word to say about him. I know he's very, uh, he's a hothead and he says this and that, but um, no, I wouldn't have it any other way, if I'm honest. Yeah. And, and same thing for me. It's, I saw the period right before um, he took over and I forget what the, uh, you know, obviously Mark Tyler was the uh, goalkeeper at the time and everything like that. But um I think market actually left really uh, briefly, but we didn't even have a backup goalkeeper. And so when uh, Mark Wright came in as the manager, he was like the first manager to have a backup goalkeeper. Cause I think I forget, I always forget whether it was Richard Logan or, um, or whether it was Dean Holden who had to play goalkeeper because our goalkeeper had gotten a red <laughs> card one game. <laughs> and it's, it's like, all right, we don't even have a backup goalkeeper. Yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, it, it's come on leaps and bounds, but those people who are either A, have never, never experienced it because of the fact that they weren't around at that point, or B, just, you know, want to complain about just about anything for the 100%. most part, you know, uh, but knowing what the club was before he got here is, is you know, you, you can see that it's a totally different animal as opposed to, you know, the first year I paid attention where Guy Branson was on loan. We were fighting relegation from League Two. Yeah, we barely stayed up. So it was uh, that was the uh, that was the you know precursor to everything that we've seen at this point. You know, Dara has taken over, and those first couple seasons where we got the back to back promotions and everything were amazing. And I think that's probably the only thing that you know you keep on looking at what we what we're doing now, and it's like 
looking back at that time where we had the Charlie Lees and, and all of those types of players, it's like, this looks a lot more like that than yeah. we have in recent years. Yeah. I mean, yeah. The days before DMAC came in, it was the club was just an absolute mess. Even the academy was terrible. Um, I can't remember what was the TV show that there was a documentary. Big, Big Ron Manager. Yeah, that's it. Uh, it's just absolutely terrible. I mean, my dad, yeah, he, he knows them days inside out, but like you got the likes of Danny Crow in there and oh, just players just, just, it was just a terrible, it, it was terrible, absolutely terrible. And uh, I mean, there's also a point, almost a point, I think Barry Fry's come out and say it, where the club nearly just had to, you know, liquidate. I mean, there was no way forward. So, I mean, Daryl to come in and save our club and, you know, say what you want, but that's what he did. Yep. And um, yeah, we're, we're a League One club, but are we second in the league right now? We look entertaining every time we're in League One. Um, yeah, the, the ground's improving, the academy's improving. Um, I think it's just generational. I mean, you, you even, I mean, you've been, it's not just young fans, you've even got old, older people looking at the likes of Bournemouth saying, why can't we do that? But for every Bournemouth, there's a Leighton Orion or a, um, a Berry, you know, so. Yep. I think we just have to accept that, you know, we haven't got rich American or Saudi owners that are going to invest £50 million on a player in League One or Championship. It ain't going to happen, but we're yeah. going to do it, obviously, buying young players, and that's what we're doing again. And you never know, one day we might become a um, mid-table Championship team, and yeah. you'd take that, and I'd take it. I, I absolutely would take that, um, and I, I'm still a believer that it can happen. And if you take a look at, you know, a, a team who is obviously on the rise for uh, for a very specific reason, Wrexham. Back when you know you and I were starting paying attention, Wrexham were either in League One or League Two. They were, yeah. you know, in our in our league, Dara. Uh, Darren Ferguson came from Wrexham to start managing for us. And the only reason he came to us is because they didn't want to hire him as uh, for their, for his first managerial job. So, you know, seeing what that club has gone through for the past, you know, however many years. And then finally, now they've got their Cinderella story of, you know, the, the Hollywood actors coming in and saving their club to a certain extent. It's great. That story is great, but they had to go through a hell of a lot of trouble in order to get there. I think I would much rather have kind of stayed where we are, where, you know, we're in league one, we're in the championship and we, and we kind of yo-yo a little bit, but I, I still am a big believer that we, we have the ability to at some point become a viable uh, championship club, you know? No, I, I do. I think there's teams in the championship now, which they don't all have 20,000 seat stadiums, or whatever, you know, there, there are smaller teams in that championship, which I believe we can, we can compete. I mean, like I said, look at Bournemouth. I think their stadium capacity is no more than 15,000 and, and they're or Luton. Yeah. Luton town. And, um, there is clubs in the championship. I can't think of the top of my head, but um, I'm trying to think something now. Um, well, Rotherham, even Rotherham, the likes of Rotherham. There's no reason why we can't do what Rotherham are doing. And yeah, um, yeah, I think I think the club's on the up. And uh, yeah, like I said, I wouldn't have Demac any other way. I would love it though if he um, we had a Disney documentary or an Amazon documentary or something like that. Yeah, that, that would that would be a, a, a fun little thing to do is uh is see it see where we've come if you were able to uh you know almost splice footage together from the big ron manager versus yeah. where we are now but you um, think obviously darren, McC- uh, darren ferguson the son of alex and uh darren mccantney how hot-headed he is you think that'd be entertaining for the uh 
global audience. So you never know one day, but um, yeah, I think that's brilliant. Yeah. So obviously, you know, you've got your foot in uh, in the United States and in uh, England a little bit. Um, you know, do you have any suggestions for uh, building the fan base over here? Is that even a possibility in your eyes? Yeah, it's, I mean, you watch the Wrexham fan and you talk to people like, I mean, a lot of people that I go to class with, obviously they're Americans, but most people in the soccer team over here, they're Europeans, but they'll all mention, you know, the likes of Wrexham and that. And before they never even heard of Wrexham, I know they hadn't. So you'd think that it'd have to be something like uh, some sort of, something on the media that would try and attract fans, soccer fans out here to become posh fans. Because creating a larger fan base just off the likes of iFollow will be difficult. Because even, you know, I'm a posh fan, even I struggle to watch the games live. Um, so I'd say it'd have to be some sort of Netflix, Amazon, Disney, some sort of documentary that kind of brings fans to Peterborough. Yeah. Um, so it is difficult. I don't know if you've met many others that are American that are posh fans. Uh, there's there's a handful here and there. Yeah. And, you know, for the most part, uh, we've all come into, you know, being posh fans for weird reasons, uh, usually uh, study abroad in in England or something along those lines. Um, I've been, you know, I've written letters to Dara since you were a young a young kid about like having a, a U.S. tour, and I think they were going to do it, but I think it was the COVID season where yeah. they were planning on coming and playing a couple USL teams and stuff like that, but it just never came off. And I, I think that would be a, a really great way to do it if you you know go and play a few usl teams but also run clinics for young kids and stuff if you get a young kid to say oh this is a professional player from england they i'm sure know the uh, premier league and everything like that but you know with that personal uh personal connection of oh well you know this is whomever ronnie edwards he plays for uh england now and he played for peter for united and that's now the team that i pay the most attention to i think that would be probably the best way to go about it but again it's you know the the disney uh disney plus would be an amazing thing for me to watch as well so i, I watch think, the games regardless <laughs> yeah exactly but i think now is the time to kind of hit the likes of america because even since i came in 2017 the progression and United States for soccer has been unbelievable. I mean, facilities have been, especially like an area like Des Moines, it's a small city, but it's brand new and they're building soccer facilities everywhere. Um, I mean, people are watching it on TV and I know, I know mostly the Premier League, but they're showing it on TV. People are into it. Um, ESPN Plus are showing, you know, Championship League One, League Two games, FA Cup. But people really are talking about soccer now and it wasn't the case in 2017 as much as it is now. So I think, like you said, the likes of playing USL clubs and getting the clinics, that'd definitely be a way forward. And just quickly on the clinics, I mean, I know out here, the academy football is, I can't believe it, that kids out here that play academies, it's all about finances. I mean, they're, they're paying to be part of an academy where obviously the structure in back in England is you're good enough to play, you know. Um, yeah. So like when I was at Peterborough, I went for a trial, I think I was seven years old, and you're selected based off your abilities, nothing to do with money. Out here is different. So, if you get the likes of Peter Woods play USL clubs, you know, an MLS team, and then based a clinic off that where, you know, anyone had the opportunity to join those clinics, if they're good enough, they get selected. I think that's definitely something that we as the, you know, the British could, could probably target because I reckon there's a lot of talent out here that no one's looked at. 
yeah, uh, there, there's definitely uh, that financial concept of, you know, pay to play is a huge, I think it's a, a huge deterrent to uh, the growth of the game. You know, the two things that I would change if I was in charge of U.S. soccer would be one promotion relegation. You know, I, I, I we would have a, a pyramid and then two is only have academies that are that are based out of, you know, professional teams. You have to have a professional team in order to call yourself in air quotes academy because there's a lot of people who are just doing the money grab of I can charge you charge you three thousand dollars a year to have your kid play and they're never going to go to college and play. They're never going to do anything with their soccer career other than be able to say I was part of this academy for two, three years or whatever. And you know, um the player that I mentioned earlier, Brian White, it you know, he he went the university route. He played at a, at a high-level academy in New Jersey, but then went to Duke and okay. played there for four years and then went into the draft and everything. But uh, that idea of developing talent rather than, you know, making money off of the talent or, or the lack thereof yeah. is is more of what we need to figure it out. Um, the, the cream of the crop, the top of the level, the top of, uh, you know, any age group or, or, or anything really needs to be in a different section. Everything else is basically recreation. 100%. And like I said, like, there's definitely a gap out here in the market because even those semi-professional games I was playing out here in NPSL and USL too, there was, you know, hundreds of fans watching and, and that's just for semi-professional. I mean, even non-league back home in England, semi-professional, you don't get hundreds of fans watching some of them levels. So um, there's definitely a gap here. It's just targeting it in the right way. So Yeah, no doubt about it. So um, I apologize for jumping backwards here, uh, but, you know, what uh, what are you studying now for your master's? Uh, sports management. Yeah, sports management. So, um, yeah, when I first graduated in 2020, I did have a plan of... Um, and I had a recruitment agency that was going to help me go to Scandinavia to play for a couple of years professionally. Money obviously wouldn't have been great, but it was just a kind of a personal thing just so I could play professionally and do that for a couple of years um, before, you know, getting a, a career and focusing on a career. But um, yeah, obviously I'm a bit older now and times have changed. So I still want to keep playing, but I think uh, the aim is to try and join a professional um, soccer team, or football team, and, you know, whether it's recruitment or in the marketing side of things. But um, yeah, I think... Don't worry, I love it out here. I think I definitely have something to offer professional clubs out here. But um, yeah, whether I'll stay out here or go back home in England, definitely working in some sort of a sports club would be the aim. So Awesome. Yeah. Well, yeah. you know, we need a left back at the moment <laughs> <laughs> to, to back up uh, Ronnie or not. Um, yeah. Harrison Burroughs or, uh, you know, working with uh, Phil Adlam in the, uh, in, yeah. in the, in the uh, media department. Well, I think that's another thing. I think there's uh, there's more money out here working in America and a sports club than there's back home. I mean, um, yeah, I, I think I was even looking at jobs back home and I don't know why, but the salary double out here to work at a professional sports club and like recruitment and that. So, um, yeah. yeah, like I said, the money's here. It's just trying to get the fans out here. But um, yeah, it's a yep. different conversation, I guess. Yeah, well, to a certain extent, you know, you'll you'll find your way. I'm sure it's, <laughs> it's not. It, it the path isn't uh, isn't always apparent until you get there. So you know, yeah, you'll, exactly. you'll figure it out. But um, I thank you so much for uh, having the conversation. You know, is there anything else you want to add by uh, <laughs> before we uh, sign off here? No, not at all. Thanks for having me, Pete, and uh, apologize it took so long for uh, me to go on. Oh no worries. This was this was great. You know, it was uh, it. 
it was a long time coming, but at the same time, totally worth it. I think that you have a really great perspective as opposed to, you know, on either side of things, it's, you know, the American fans who are, are looking at, uh, at things from, uh, their side. And then the English fans who are going to hear this, you know, what it's like to be here in the United States as a, uh, as a English, I'm going to call you a kid. I know you're 25, but, <laughs> but compared to me, you're a kid. Uh, <laughs> So, um, you know, that perspective of like seeing the English game when you're a young person and then coming over here and, and playing and everything like that, it's, you know, I I get chided from time to time about like my optimism because I am an American. I, I tend to be optimistic and everything. And I've said several times that, you know, the U.S. is going to win the World Cup in 2026. Um, I know that there are no, there's nobody that believes me, but you know, the, the home field advantage can't be denied. That's the only time that England won their World Cup. So It wouldn't surprise me one day. I'm not 2026 might not be it, but it wouldn't surprise me one day. Yeah, no doubt about it. We've got it in us eventually. Just it's going to take some time. And like, like you've said, you know, the, the sport is got a much bigger foothold than it used to. And, you know, it's funny to hear you saying that like since 2017, that things have changed. I've been paying attention to soccer, obviously all my life, but like 1994 where the world cup was here the first time, that's where things started to take off. You know, up yeah. until that point, it was hard other than the world cup to watch soccer on TV. But now every single weekend there's, you know, premiership games or, or, you know, you can watch just about any league that you want. So it's, it's beautiful to see all of that as a longtime soccer fan slash football fan. Even college, just quite even college soccer. I mean, the way that's improved that uh, we don't have it back, back in Europe, especially in England. And like I said, that's why most teams have been on the full of Europeans. Um, don't want to know the level out here. College soccer is not professional. I'm not, I'm not naive enough to say the level is professional, but um they, they tra the coaches out here do train you like you're professional, so you earn your scholarship, you know. So we'd have days where it's double training, Monday to Friday, and then and, and then the games on a Sunday, and you, you're traveling, and like I said, you, you're in the gym in the morning, you're training in the afternoon, and you feel like a professional, you're getting your scholarship, and you're getting your education. And like I said, that's why every team I've been out here, all the players are European. There is obviously Americans in, and there's good talent here, don't get me wrong, but um, I highly recommend anyone to come out here for college soccer and... Um, yeah, with the facilities they've got out here, it wouldn't surprise me if one day uh, America does win the World Cup, that's for sure. All right, I'm just going to cut out that piece of what you just <laughs> said and everything else we're going to get rid of. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. No, but uh, thank you so much, Owen. This was really great. I, I really appreciate you coming on. Lovely. Cheers, Pete. Thanks for listening to this episode of Posh Across the Pond. Thanks to Owen for joining us. If you're a Posh fan abroad, we'd love to hear from you. Visit our website to get in touch. Follow us on the socials or visit our website, www.theyellowblock.co.uk. Up the posh. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. 
If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.